The St. Louis Blues were beating the Colorado Avalanche this week, and their fans were giving it to the Colorado owner in a bit of a weird way. What are they chanting down there, Darren? I can't tell from up here, but they're chanting something. So, Kroenke sucks. Now, what does this mean exactly, John? Can you help me understand what they're what they're referencing there? Well, Stan Kroenke owns the Colorado Avalanche, so that's who they were playing. Okay. And so they were beating them at the end and clearly going to win. But Stan Kroenke also owns the Los Angeles Rams ah. and moved the St. Louis Rams ah. out of St. Louis. Ah. And so that's where Kroenke sucks chant comes from. Got it. So okay. didn't the St. Louis Rams used to play in Los Angeles as the Los Angeles Rams? Hmm, good question, but I bet it wasn't It's Stan not Kroenke. really a question. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and you clearly knew the answer. Clearly. Was Stan Kroenke the owner, though, that he moved them from Los Angeles? He was not. Right. So I get it. I get it. Um, we still chant Norm Green sucks about the uh, <laughs> we being Minnesotans about moving the the North Stars from Minnesota to Dallas back in the early 90s. So, But you, you wouldn't know. have Nordy. Well, I don't think he's named after Norm Green. But I, <laughs> I do wonder, though, if uh, if Victor E. Green has any relationship with, like, is is he the offspring of Norm Green? He's kind of an ugly monster, so that could make sense. Sound of Hockey episode 65. We're calling this one the Eric Carlson episode. Of course we are, John. All right. Jesus, always getting the sharks on yeah. the show. Anything interesting you want to say about him other than his dashing good looks? Well, he's going to be around for a long time That's since true. he signed the eight-year deal in the offseason. Yeah, okay. Cool. Good story. Uh, <laughs> I'm Darren Brown, a.k.a. at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter. Joined, as always, by Andy Ide. Hello, Andy. How's it going? I'm at Andy Ide on the Twitter. And John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, I'm NHL2 Seattle on the Twitter. We are coming to you recording very early on Wednesday. It was a little tough to make this one work this week because John and I have been traveling. John, where have you been lately? I was in Texas for uh, about five days checking out a couple of hockey games. Oh, yeah. So speaking of Norm and Victor E. Green, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you went to a Dallas Stars game. What was your experience there? Did you uh, have Man, a good time? Dallas, the arena is massive. Yeah. It's it's one of the more massive arenas I've been to. Um, great atmosphere. Lots of metal. They play a lot of metal. Hmm. Well, I don't know. It's Tool Isn't, Metal. Uh, yeah. are tool metal. Isn't Pantera the yes. goal song? Yeah. 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 And they yell <laughs> Dallas Stars. It's yeah, pretty it's awesome. It's terrible. It's awesome. Sounds terrible on TV. <laughs> but then uh, what I loved is no out, there. outside the venue, there's a, like a lot of cool areas to, uh, you know, kill some Enjoy time and waiting for traffic. Mm, college and sodas. Pre-game. Yeah. Uh, and I and I just made me think of how fun that will be in Seattle down at Seattle Center because and the whole lower Queen Anne and that's going to change yeah. that's going to change the area a lot yeah. because I think obviously there's some boarded up buildings there still but that's going to turn over into be probably a, a bunch of establishments there's no clear cut establishment down there right now other than probably the Queen Anne Beer Hall that I would expect people pregame because it's got to be big like all these spaces yeah. are big for for a lot of fans so it should be interesting anyway i also went down to uh cedar park which is outside austin to see an ahl game the texas stars versus the tucson roadrunners and that was that was a lot of fun and there's something pure about ahl games uh probably similar to junior games where a lot more families they're out there having fun it's not always more like, affordable they don't get 
angry at the team, really, you know, like other <laughs> other fans do. Um, so I loved my experience down there too, and it was surprisingly diverse. One of the more diverse areas I've I've seen as far as fans and hmm. coming from different ethnicities, races, and cultural cool. backgrounds. It was really cool. Uh, it was a great experience, and Texas is actually pretty easy to get to. Surprisingly, I yeah. thought it's a couple a, of nonstop flights yeah, to there. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I went to Maui just to check out the hockey culture there. Let oh, me tell that? you, that was the arena. Yeah. That was the arena. Sucks. It sucks there. <laughs> Terrible hockey culture. Oh, it sounds um, awful. But anyway, so we're we're a little wiped out, and we're you know recording early in the morning. I, I was in Portland on Sunday. Yeah. How was the hockey culture? It's all right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, so anyway, we're we're recording early in the morning because we need to make it work for you guys. We weren't going to let you down. And uh, actually, we have a pretty great show this week. We have friend of the pod Chris Peters back to talk about uh, the very fast approaching World Junior Championship. So uh, perfectly timed He's there. Like oft friend of the pod. Oft friend. Yeah. The the most oft most friend friendly that we have. <laughs> That's right. We do have a review, which I'll share with you quickly, from the CO Kid, five stars. It says, must listen for any PNW hockey fan. This crew does a great job developing and delivering interesting and helpful content about Seattle area hockey. If you want to get stoked about the upcoming NHL Seattle, insert whatever you want, whatever name you want for the next few months here, then this is a must listen. We already know what the team name is, and it's Crap yes. Weasels. And by the way, get your Crap Weasels shirts because those are flying off the shelves. Limited time only. Uh, Wade is working really hard to get those shipped out <laughs> to those of you who have ordered them. And, and we've so. seen a couple of people on Twitter tweet pictures of us of, of them wearing yeah. us, not us, at us with their <laughs> with their with their Crap Weasel shirt on. So I, I appreciate that. Let's see more of that. I tweeted some pictures of myself wearing my Crap Weasel uh, shirt. But the fans didn't. But tweet you're not a fan. Photos of or listen. You. You're not a I'm listener. a fan. I listen to our podcast. <laughs> Very carefully, in fact. Um, Okay, let's get into this show. There's a lot to talk about, and we have limited time this morning. So, uh, (laughs) first and foremost, some huge NHL news. The Red Wings won a game. All right. How do you like that? I think, how many in a row had they lost? It was like 13 or 14 games, I think, or 13 or 14 since they had won a game. So, now, what's funny about it is that uh, there's kind of this ongoing thing of how many coaches had been fired since they had last won a game. And that's the real story here. Against Winnipeg. Yeah. Right. So, they beat Winnipeg. (laughs) Totally. Since the Red Wings had won last, we had seen Mike Babcock get fired. Bill Peters had done his, like, forced resignation thing. So, then, we had Jim Montgomery from the... Dallas Stars. That's under like this weird shroud of mystery still. We don't really know why he got fired, um, but it was apparently because of some Personal unprofessional thing. Yeah. thing but right? not, not, it was, they made him point out that it was not any of this kind of player abuse thing. So. No, but it seems like it's probably timing, in the yeah. same vein, and yeah. it's it's odd timing that it happens, right? And, and, it seemed, have a winning record. and it seemed to be very swift and happened very quickly. So, uh, and then after Montgomery gets fired, Peter DeBoer goes out of San, San Jose. And John Hines goes from uh, New Jersey. Now, we kind of had the thought that Hines might go, right, just because of the way that their season has gone. Yep. Uh, John, were you at all surprised about DeBoer being fired? Something I had to give, even though I, like, I don't think it's his fault. I think, you know, the goaltending has been, I mean, Below horrible, par. horrible. <laughs> like, I think Jones yeah, it's always like, the goalie's fault, isn't it? Yeah, because five other people are making mistakes. But um, I, I think they need... Finally starting to train you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something I had to give. Uh, I think he's a good coach, and I think he he's he's going to be in the NHL fairly quickly. So bummer to see, but the team's just not playing well. I the three games I've seen since seems to be the team seems to be playing better, at least more inspired. 
to me, but they're still one and one and two in the last three games. Mm-hmm. It does make you wonder, though, and we're going to transition a little bit into our Seattle news here. It does make you wonder how these firings kind of apply to the Seattle franchise, right? Because uh, I know that we had Elliot Friedman this past week strangely mentioning that Paul Maurice could be a, an option for Seattle. I don't know if I really buy that, being that he's, he's still employed. employed and under contract. But Contract expires at the end of the year, though. Okay. Um, isn't he, he's the longest tenured coach, I think, so I could see his time sort of running out there if, if Winnipeg doesn't get over the hump, but I don't know. He was mentioned, and when Elliot Friedman says things, people make it a big deal. Do you see that being a possibility, and what about Peter DeBoer? Maurice is a weird one because the Jets are having a decent season. They're, they're in third place in the, in the stacked central, mm. so would they? it seems like they would want to renew him. I'm not sure, but I'm not sure. I don't know enough about the Jets to know if there's bad blood there. I'm intrigued by DeBoer um, as, as a guy here. I think I agree with John. I think he is a good coach. Um, I don't think it's his fault the goaltending is so bad, and the guys in front of him obviously there. <laughs> but, uh, and you know he's taken two different franchises to the Stanley Cup final. He hasn't won one yet, so he's 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 had success in two different places. I'd be intrigued by that guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. And Maurice kind of squashed that comment oh, yeah. about he said about, he had to be dragged out of Winnipeg. Yeah, he basically <laughs> said this is my home, but you know what? They all say that mm-hmm. until. And then they get fired or whatever. And or they're, okay, yeah, we're great. Todd Lewicky, yeah. Or until they win the Stanley Cup and yeah. then uh, go sign with the, as a head coach of the New York Islanders. Yes, ah, that, that so, too. Okay. That's never happened. Yeah. Uh, other <laughs> Seattle news. So the, the Thunderbirds and the WHL revealed that they're doing a pretty big Bantam tournament. And I know that we had talked about this at some point, uh, but they did a press conference uh, this past week to make it official. Yep, uh, it's going to be in February, late February. Uh, there's 12 of the top Bantam teams are coming to Kent. Uh, they'll be play their games in the Shower Center and at Kent Valley. Uh, pretty high-end Bantam programs. Now, the the reason for this is twofold. One uh, is to help kind of grow hockey in Seattle, and, and NHL Seattle is one of the sponsors of this tournament. But the other is the WHL is really actively trying to recruit more American-born players into their league. They have what, 44 now on their rosters, but it's, it's a pretty small percentage. Uh, and, and they're also, along with this Bantam tournament, are going to have a U.S.-only draft uh, this coming year. So they'll have two-round draft where they'll draft U.S. prospects uh, separate from the normal Bantam draft. So they're, they're trying to be pretty proactive. Uh, these are going to be some high-end players. They're all going to be 14. So there'll be some 13-year-olds, but mostly 14 at Bantam. And so these are kids that, are, that the next year will be eligible in March will be el- or May, excuse me, will be eligible to be drafted by the WHL. Uh, to play for another year. Now these are going to be. So I asked General Manager Bill LaForge, Thunderbirds General Manager, about these players because they're scouting them. All the WHL teams will be there scouting them, and he he said they're they're going to be future NHL players in this tournament. So this is like if you think of like the funnel of players or the pipeline. This is like one of the bigger. This well, is where it starts quickly. Like what were some of the players that have played on these same teams that are um, coming up? Well, so like like locally you have Dustin Wolf who played for the LA Junior Kings. Yeah, if they ever silver tip. So his alma his alma mater, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Kyler Yamamoto. <laughs> Do you uh, call it that if it's just a like a? I don't think like they call it, they, on their webpage. They call it their alumni section. Oh, so okay, sure. maybe. Uh, <laughs> like Thatcher Demko played for that Junior Kings team. So there's some NHL guys. Uh, some of the Canadian academies that are coming for they're all from British Columbia. Like Shea Theater played for Yale Academy. Uh, Delta's coming. Who Ty Smith played for. So th- these are some high end. Uh, programs that are coming here, and they, they're saying it's one of the. It's gonna, it should be one of the more premier Bantam tournaments in the U.S. Cool. This coming year. Did we mention the name of the tournament as the U.S. Challenge Cup? In case people want to look it up, it's called the U.S. Challenge Cup. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's been mentioned. Uh, there's also one last little bit of Seattle news here is that they're they're doing another NHL Seattle talk at the Pacific Science Center. What are the details on that, John? Yeah, so it's coming up in late January, but they posted the event now. I don't know if it'll sell out, but they will sell tickets. And the last time. 
they had the hockey analytics panel, which was like a bigger draw. Pretty crowded and might have sold out. But it's yeah, it's, it was packed. I don't remember there being many open seats. So I'm anticipating this one being another big one. So when tickets go on sale, you should get them. But so it's January 28th, and it's called the Science of Scouting. And so they're having oh. all the scouts in town to do like nice. a panel and talk. So I think that's going to be really cool. Probably. It's a Tuesday. It's 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. There's like a, a little kind of early reception before. But it's a, also another opportunity for us to come together as hockey fans and, and kind of hear what the scouts have to say. So should be really cool. Uh, January 28th. I don't know. I'm sure you can find more information on the Pacific Science Center, but there's also a Facebook event page that's allegedly going to post the link for tickets once they go on sale. So, you know, say you're interested or whatever in Facebook if you're into that. And uh, I'll see you there. <laughs> if you're into that. Uh, by the way, there was something that happened this past week, which was Taylor Hall oh. got traded to the Arizona Coyotes. Holy cats. Hall and Yotes. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm tired of that. I saw that all. I mean, already. there was so many people who thought, um, I think, thought they were original with that. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I've seen this like 50 times. When really, you were the one that came up with it, it first. It was totally me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is a big deal, though, obviously. Now, I have to wonder, right, if they don't, obviously, like, win the cup, which I still don't think they're going to do in Arizona. But um, if they if they don't re-sign him, this feels like kind of an odd thing to get him there for everything they gave up. But we'll, well what see. What did they give up? Well, didn't they give up a first-round well, draft let's, pick? Let's a... give the details. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay, Mr. Know-it-all. The details. Because yeah. oh, I'm... You have the Research. details yeah. up on your screen yeah, exactly. right now, so you're gonna. So New Jersey sends Taylor Hall and Blake Spears. Blake Spears is an AHLer with like one assist in ten games, so okay. he's kind of a throw-in. Okay. Uh, New Jersey gets Kevin Bale, who's actually a, a second rounder from the 2018 pick. Yeah, loved he's gonna him, be loved him in Batman. He's gonna be in. Uh... Oh, that's Christian Bale. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Not he, he's gonna be in the World Juniors this year for okay. uh, Team Canada. So Nick Merkley, who is a first rounder from 2015, he seems to be have underperformed. I actually saw him playing for the Tucson mm-hmm. Roadrunners at my trip, and, mm. right and I knew I knew who he was. So I was kind of keeping an eye on, and he was a first rounder. Yeah, I, he was not very noticeable out there. Nate Schnarr, I think he's probably another prospect. I don't know much info on him. Then here's where the, the meat of it is. A first rounder for the 2020 entry draft, and that's protected. And a third round pick from 2021, that's conditional. So let me back up to the first round rounder just because this is a, a learning moment for people that might not study the draft or understand trades or see trades that, that much. But there, it's basically lottery protected. So if Arizona were to somehow not make the playoffs and get a lottery pick in the top three, they keep their first rounder and then New Jersey would get uh, Arizona's first rounder from next year. You remember oh, this with the okay. Ottawa scenario? Mm-hmm. And then the third round pick is a conditional. If Taylor Hall re-signs and Arizona wins one round in the playoffs, that third round pick in 2021 becomes a first round pick. But if only one of those two scenarios, Taylor Hall signs or... They don't win they a don't, playoff round. They or if they win, do one. Right, got it. Then it gets goes to a second round pick. So that ah, okay. that is pretty hefty. I yeah. I cringe when I see first round picks. Yeah. traded. Uh, well, be- yeah, because especially if he ends up being just a rental, right? And and they don't have success, then you're like, well, I don't know if that was right. Like think about when Columbus made all those trades last year, right? To the point that they didn't even have hardly any draft picks this year and then they won the one playoff round you're like wow is that worth it and you're like i don't know they won a playoff round but now they've kind of really hurt their future quite a bit but so. i here's the, the other catch there though if they re-sign taylor hall it's probably going to be for eight years mm-hmm. and it'll be like nine, ten million dollars and that's that's a long time yeah and usually 
in these scenarios when they're they're at the end of their kind of the entry level deal or their their restricted free agent deal they sign these long contracts that age very poorly because they're so they're so much older when they sign it and Mm -hmm. so i i think it's okay if arizona doesn't sign it because if they're he's asking for eight years at 10 million five years they're going to be screwed they don't have a whole lot of high-end i mean they have some big contracts but and they're also still paying on the hook for Marion Hosa for $5 Ooh, million yeah, th- yeah. through next season. Yeah. Well, maybe he'll come back. You never know. <laughs> um, uh, Oliver ekman Larson's you know, an 8.2 guy. That's their biggest one. Um, Kessel's got 6.8, but he's only got one more year after this year. Mm. So it's interesting to look at their salary cap situation, whether or not they can afford to sign him. But you know, it'll be interesting to see. I, my, my guess would be that he wouldn't re-sign there, but you never know. Like If they have a great run and he loves it there, maybe they, they I think find a could. way to make it work. Yeah. I think he could because he wants to win more than yeah. anything else, and that was clear from his press conference. And he won in his first or, game. But he wants to go to the playoffs. Like mm-hmm. He's only been in the playoffs once, and that's the Which biggest. Which is remarkable. Four games, yeah. right? If they got swept. With New Jersey, yeah. That's right. So that's what he wants to do is, is mm-hmm. play for a contender and, and play in the playoffs. So I could see him if, they have a good if, run. He, if he buys into what – Arizona's yeah. doing it. One thing I should also say is I don't think a year ago or the last five years we would have ever seen a blockbuster trade like this. With so someone going to Arizona, yeah. Right, because of the prior owners. And so this is we talked about the new owner yep. in Arizona, and I think he's opened the door for these kind of scenarios and these kind of big kind of ticket. They and don't have to just well. – Yeah, they are playing they're well. They're in first place in the so, Pacific, yeah. But I think it's a testament to the to the owner. Yeah. And that should be good for the area that, that needs it. And the attendance is up in Arizona yep. right now. I'm all for it. I, I, I did enjoy the Taylor Hall saga, though, because Friday there were rumors that he was scratched when they were in Colorado. So that, that had been a team that people thought he was going to. So those rumors started flying. His bag was seen in the hallway, you know, unpacked, and they thought maybe that meant something. And rumors started flying, and then it turns out it would be Arizona the next day. So uh, We're going to transition into some sad-slash-scary news. We have a few different topics to talk about here. First, uh, and this one kind of shook the whole hockey world, I think, but Oscar Lindblom of the uh, Philadelphia Flyers was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma. Um, there's a statement released by Chuck Fletcher there uh, that just said he's not going to play for the rest of the year, uh, and we'll kind of see what happens. But uh, Ewing sarcoma is a form of bone cancer. So, uh, I mean, it obviously just scary you know as a young healthy super elite athlete and he he comes down with something like this and um but what's been really cool about it is is seeing uh kind of how the hockey world has reacted to it with uh hashtag oscar strong you know and um i know in in philadelphia they did the like the hockey fights cancer thing but you know normally they hold up the signs and everyone writes down somebody that's close to them that's been affected and um and just everyone holds up the sign that says oscar uh, so that was really really cool there's just a lot of a lot of support for him and um it's a reminder that that no one is immune to this and it's a a very scary disease that really does affect everyone so um scary stuff there hopefully you know wishing him all the best uh another thing tim thomas uh the old goaltender for the boston bruins apparently he's been like off the radar which i guess we kind of knew that right that he's not been in the public eye at all Mm -hmm. uh he's getting inducted into the u.s hockey hall of fame so he did kind of show up and and people are like oh like what have you been doing all this time and uh, he revealed he's basically been living in a cabin in the woods because um he's he's had such bad concussion symptoms so another thing right where you're like okay uh this is a guy that was a superstar back in the day uh he was always a little eclectic and and strange so like for him to go part of their cup win in 2011 oh yeah yeah um for him to go and and kind of be off the radar for a while made sense but when you hear that that's the reason you're like Wow, this this is sad. Stuff and you don't too. normally think of goalies as in the concussion 
discussion. No, but, you know, you hit your head on the ice, you fall down. And... Yeah, or sometimes, you know, this is why, hey, stop taking slap shots in my head, John. How about that? Um, because <laughs> My slap shots don't hurt anybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because you do occasionally see that, too, if, uh, if a puck hits sure, right in the yeah. wrong spot. And, and the masks are designed to f- deflect pucks. Um, but, I mean, if it hits you square right here, like, there's not much that right the mask can in... do. I pointed at my forehead. Yeah. yeah. You can't <laughs> see the, that on the, the podcast. That was for the video <laughs> viewers. The viewers watching yeah. the live stream. Uh, and then I want to talk also about uh, Doug Woog. Now, you guys probably don't know much about Doug Woog, but he was no. the, the coach of the Minnesota Gophers for, I think it was 16 seasons when I was growing up. And um, I mentioned last week during our my, my rant about the you know Gophers versus Badgers thing. That I'm no longer a Gopher fan. When I was growing up, I really was. We didn't have hockey, uh, NHL hockey in Minnesota when I was a kid um, because Norm Green had moved the North Stars away. <laughs> Tied it all together. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but so the Gophers were the, the team that I followed, and Doug Woog was the coach. And um, I never like knew him personally or anything like that. But um, he passed away this past week of uh, after a long fight with Parkinson's. Um, but he really embodied hockey in the state of Minnesota. They um, There's this uh, rink that I played in a number of times called Wakota Arena. Uh, it's in South St. Paul. They renamed it a few years ago, Doug Woog Arena. So, um, and, and that's the city where Phil Housley comes from and a couple other really big name players. So it kind of tells you just how big of a, an impact he had on hockey in that in that area. And um, he's one of those guys that like was always around and just well, really well respected. And um, so when I heard that, that he had passed away, I was really sad about that. But um, just wanted to mention that, that uh, kind of a hockey legend. So, And then finally, the last kind of downer, uh, thing that we'll talk about, which has, I guess, a positive ending. Tucker Tynan in the OHL of the Niagara Ice Dogs had this terrifying moment. Andy, maybe you can talk about it a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, they were playing. There. It was earlier last week. They were playing the London Knights, and there was a play in front of the net, and there was some traffic. And one of the London, I think, I think it was one of the London players who accidentally uh, clipped him with his with his skate and yeah. got him in a part where of his leg where that was exposed. And you immediately see him like writhing around on the ice in pain, and then blood just starts you know seeping out. This big pool of blood, and uh, so he had a pretty deep cut. Now the 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 training staff like were, they flew out onto the ice and. They're being praised, like they really did a good job here in keeping him, keeping that from being a much worse story. But he was taken to the hospital. He had surgery. Uh, I just saw yesterday he was released from the hospital. Yeah, he's and back he's home. Gonna, yeah, he's going to recover. He, recover, so he's back home. I think he's, he's an American kid. He went back yeah, to Chicago. Yeah, from Michigan. So or, or Michigan. I think he's from Michigan. Michigan, Chicago, one of those two places. But um, Midwest. Uh, so kind of a scary <laughs> thing to see. Uh, you don't see that fluke thing to happen, but you know those skates are sharp and. There yeah. are well, little, there are little areas where the body's exposed. I mean, it hit it obviously hit an artery, which he yeah. could have died. I mean, yeah. it, it really was a scary, scary thing. So it reminded um, it reminded of Clint Mark Chuck back in the the eighties where he got clipped in the in the in the, in the neck, neck yeah. with a skate. The yeah. same kind of blood that that's what it, that's what the reminded me of. Yeah, terrifying, terrifying yeah. images. I was you sent that, and then I looked at it, and then I was heading off to beer league, and I was like, my god, I hope nobody slides into <laughs> me now because I was. Uh, you know, it's just, it was hard to look at. So um, really, really good to, to hear that he's at home and, and doing better. Um, let's not talk about any of these topics anymore because I'm, <laughs> I'm sad. Uh, instead, let's move on to our Chris Peters interview. Here he is, the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Peters. We now welcome back onto Sound of Hockey. Uh, I guess he would be the friendliest friend of the pod that we have because I don't think we've had anybody on the show as many times as him as a guest. Uh, We're very excited to have him back because the timing is just perfect with World Junior Championship just around the corner and nobody knows it better than this person, Mr. Chris Peters, who is the the prospect guru for ESPN. Welcome back, Chris. Uh, Very excited to have you back. And hey, 
my first question, I'm going to just dive right into it here. We asked you last time you were on the show about Colton Saucerman. Uh, I understand that there's a uh, a new kind of bad boy in town, Mr. Gunner Wolf Fontaine. How does Gunner Wolf <laughs> stack up against Colton? Uh, well, I mean, first of all, thanks for having me back, guys. Um, the well, if if they were standing next to each other, Gunner Wolf would be much smaller than Colton Saucerman. <laughs> However, his name is Gunner Wolf Fontaine. Right. Advantage Gunner Wolf. That's interesting. You know, this time of year, right, you have Colton Saucerman, who, if I recall correctly, looks a lot like Yukon Cornelius from Ralph the the Red Nose Reindeer, which at this time of year, I would think would give Colton Saucerman a leg up over Gunner Wolf Fontaine, but um, maybe that's just just me kind of projecting. Uh, you have some biases. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Because I, I was a big fan of Yukon Cornelius as a kid. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I still gotta, I gotta go with Gunner Wolf. I guess I, I, somebody asked him. I, I know he's from Rhode Island, and Mark Diver, who, who's, you know, the best hockey reporter in Rhode Island, and and one of the one of the greats in in college hockey. Um, you know, kind of started covering him when he was starting to become a bit of a, a player, and. Uh, he asked him, where did the name come from? And he said, well, my mom really liked the name Gunner, and she really liked it, and my dad really liked the name Wolf. And they just smashed them together. <laughs> I was like, what a All compromise. Right. He's, he, is a, he is a lesson in compromise. He is a lesson in amazing naming. And you know what? He's a pretty good player, too. He, he actually went to the Maple Leafs uh, uh, player development camp this year, didn't get drafted. I don't think that he will get drafted, uh, but at the same time, he's uh, – He's he you know he's he's on the smaller side, but he's a good goal scorer. He's been a great player in the USHL, and he's been really good for Team USA at that World Junior A Challenge, where the players from uh, the Chicago Steel really seem to be stealing the show there. Um, that was not a pun. Yeah. Wow, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> they seem to be stealing the show there, um, and, and he's obviously a part of it. The game, one of the games I was at, he scored the game tying goal and the game winning goal in overtime, and it allowed the opportunity to. Uh, Give him a little shout out on Twitter, and every time I put his name out there, more people are learning about him. Um, but I've known about him for the last two years, and I think he is, uh, you know, he's the name. All right, so let's get kind of a, a high level overview of uh, what to watch for in the WJC this year. Uh, who are some of the superstars that are gonna, you know, steal the show, like the Chicago Steel? Uh, and, uh, you know, what team do you think is going to win? Last year, I know you said it was Canada's tournament to lose, which I think is always the case. But uh, is there maybe a different team that you would expect to um, to really give them a run? So basically, whatever you want to talk about with the World Junior Championship, go <laughs> ahead. This is your forum. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll see if I can chunk some of this up here and uh, and, and we'll, we'll get it going. But, yeah, I, I mean, generally – Every World Juniors, there's essentially five teams that have an opportunity to win the gold medal, and that's you know the U.S., Canada, uh, Russia, Sweden, and Finland. And I think that's still the case this year. Um, I think the Russians are going to be especially tough um, based on their goaltending. You know, they have some some good defensemen as well, and, and some really talented forwards that that will be intriguing to watch. It's going to be an important uh, important tournament for them. I think they'll be good. Uh, Canada, obviously, every time. Every time out, um, they have an opportunity to uh, win the tournament. And, you know, I think that, you know, goaltending is probably their weakest spot, uh, which has kind of been the case over the last several years. Um, but they have, you know, the other thing, too, is I'm not sure one, once their final roster is selected, it's going to be a pretty young roster no matter what. They brought a ton of draft eligible guys to this tournament 
or to their camp. They'll be hosting the the World Juniors next year in Edmonton, and I think that that is partially like you know part part of this team. I think they believe they have a chance to win, but I'm sure that they're going to get some younger players in there with eyes on next year. Um, that's not to say they're they're not going to try and win this time. They they really will, and and they they'll have a really good chance to do it. Um, and then you know I think the U.S. is is certainly a team that that you know similarly they'll have younger forwards. They don't have any draft eligible or first year draft eligible players on the team uh, through camp, but they'll have a team that is loaded, especially on the wings with goal scoring talent, pretty good sized defense, and then an excellent goaltender in Spencer Knight, who you know is probably the biggest reason that they they have a chance. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't. I don't think Finland has a great roster this year. Uh, they do have a really good goaltender in Eustace Anunen, but they they don't you know they don't have a Capo Caco. They don't have Anton Lundell, who's injured uh, and was on the team last year. And he's he, you know he could be a top ten pick this year. Um, really disappointed that he won't be in the tournament. Um, you know they've they just they don't have a ton of high high end talent on that roster. Um, so we'll have to see. And then Sweden is uh, another real interesting case. I think they have, they'll have they have the best decor in the tournament. Um, that seems to be the case often. It kind of depends right now. They're not sure if they're going to get Adam Boquist or Rasmus Sandin back from uh, the AHL or Boquist is with the NHL with the Blackhawks right now. Even if they don't get those guys, like one of the guys that didn't make the team, Victor Soderstrom, is also a first-round draft pick. So, you know, they're, they've got a lot of options. But I think their decor, led by uh, Philip Roberg, is going to be really good. So... I mean, I, I think it's it's hard to say who's going to win. I think it's going to come out of those five teams. You know, I think that some of the other teams are going to be worth watching, uh, with the exception of Kazakhstan. Sorry, Kazakhstan, you were fun last year, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. But I mean, even Germany. Germany's going to have multiple first-round draft picks on their roster, which is going to be uh, kind of amazing because uh, Mort Sider will be there, who is number six pick from Detroit and has been playing really well in the AHL. Uh, they'll have uh, Dominic Bach who's still age eligible is a first round formerly a first round pick of St. Louis, but he's been traded to uh, Carolina. Um, they've also got uh, a couple guys that should be highly drafted this year. Uh, Tim Stutzel could be a, t- a first round pick. Um, and uh, uh, sorry, sorry, Andy, if, uh, <laughs> you know, I know that he, he, he didn't make it over to the dub, but nope. he made the right choice by, uh, by staying there. And uh, you know, he's, he's an incredible talent and I, I can't wait to watch him. Uh, uh, in this tournament so yeah there's a lot there's really there's going to be a lot to watch um a lot to pay attention to um a lot of high-end prospects a lot of draft eligible prospects sweden will have alexander holtz and lucas raymond as we mentioned the canadians probably have alexi lafreniere quentin byfield i assume both of them make the team we'll see if anybody else does uh like a dawson mercer or cole perfetti um and they also have a few on defense like jamie drysdale and, and Braden schneider um, so they have, there's, if you like the draft, if you're a fan of a NHL team, the likelihood you're going to have a prospect in there is, is huge. Uh, you're going to be able to see many of the top, you know, I'd say t- guys that, that have a chance to go in the top 10, you're going to see most of them, um, in this tournament, uh, including Yaroslav Askarov, the goaltender from Russia. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot to, to pay attention to. And, you know, if you let me ramble about the world juniors, I'm going to ramble. <laughs> there you go. I feel like I've rambled enough. No, that was, that was great. I feel well-informed already about what to watch for. So that's great. Um, one quick question, a follow up here, Canada, you know, playing away from home. Do you think that has a, like, do you think that helps them? I feel like they play so many of these tournaments in Canada and nobody takes this tournament as seriously as the Canadians and, 
Um, I just feel like they get so much pressure on them when they play at home. I, I, I could see this actually being a benefit for them playing in Europe this time. Yeah, you know, I think it, I, I think it helps to a certain degree. Um, you know, there will be fewer reporters there uh, bugging them <laughs> after games. Um, there, you know, last year in Vancouver, it was a uh, you know it was it was pretty intense. Um, there was you know there was obviously a lot of attention on on them, and uh, it didn't go so well. And so I think you know in terms of pressure, it helps a little bit. However, I think when it's in Europe, there's an adjustment to playing on the bigger ice surface. Mm. Um, and Canada has the U.S. will have players that play college hockey that play on you know Olympic sheets. Some guys that that play on them all the time uh, for you know for their home games and everything because uh, that's that's part of one of the quirks of college hockey is not everybody mm. has the same ice surface. You know, just the Europeans knowing how to make the big ice small um, and, and making it tougher to get to the middle and. You know, I think every time I watch Finland on a big sheet, it's like, you know, it doesn't matter what level of talent they have. They're just so disciplined as a team and defend as a team that it's so hard to get inside. And then they have a great goalie usually that's going to, you know, shut the door when, you know, you, you get your few and far between scoring chances. So um, so that's a that, that's part of the adjustment for, for Canada. Um, you know, but ultimately they're going to have, among the most talented teams and so those guys will eventually find their way and either they're they're too fast or too talented or too big to slow down um you know but i I do think that there's a certain there's a a certain easiness to it but i think that they all know that every game's on tsn they're gonna have to talk you know after the game the pressure's on there you know i don't i don't think that canada ever feels you know relaxed at this tournament (laughs) Uh, and I don't know if they, you know, the way that it's set up, I don't know that they should. It's a tough situation for, for those guys to, uh, to, but it's a good learning experience too for a lot of them. And I, I think some of the guys actually thrive in that environment as well. So uh, I always look for the dark horse in the story. And you kind of went through all the teams in the tournament. Um, but who would be the dark horse, whether it be the top five or maybe even it's Germany to get a medal? Like who's who could kind of surprise a lot of the teams i mean i i just think germany is is far more talented i don't know much about their goaltending situation uh but you know i watched some of the games from last year's uh division one tournament world junior tournament when i was watching more cider video you know he's gonna play a ton of minutes and he's a tough guy to 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 play against um and, and they're gonna have you know stutzel who i mentioned john jason paterka who's another guy that's uh that's gonna be a draft eligible this year that's playing pro hockey in Germany and, and playing very well. You know, both of Stutzel and, and Paterka are, are essentially top six forwards at 17 years old uh, for their for their respective professional teams. And, and in Paterka's case, he's on pretty much the best team in Germany right now. I love a guy with two first names like that, John Jason. It's kind of like <laughs> Gunnar Wolf. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Very, <laughs> very German kind of thing. But they're going to at least challenge teams. I think that there's like next to no chance they'll be relegated. There's a decent chance beat the Czechs and have an opportunity to, you know, get into the medal round as opposed to playing in the relegation round. Um, that's where I think it ends for them, uh, just because I think the other teams are deeper and better. Um, but, you know, if you run into the right team, you might have a chance to, you know, at least get to the semifinals. And then all of a sudden you're playing for a medal um, no matter what, whether it's bronze or gold. Um, I don't think that they're, you know, that caliber of a team, but. Um, you know, if you say you catch Finland or you catch, you know, I don't think you catch the U.S. or Canada or even Russia, but I think that Finland and, and Sweden have some weaknesses that you can potentially exploit, you know, and th- that those are the types of teams that you'd be most likely to play 
in the round robin. Um, and like I said, if I knew more about their goaltending, I'd feel a little more confident about that. But I think that for me, Germany is one of the more exciting re-entries in the last few years based on who they have in their age group. Um, so it's, I'm, I'm so thrilled that Germany is back at the top level at, at the, at the U 20 level, because it's been a while. They've really, they're kind of having a moment. German hockey's kind of having a moment. Obviously, Leon Dreisaitl is having an amazing year, um, with the Oilers. And then, you know, they won the silver medal at the last Olympics. Um, you know, whether there were NHL players there or not, the fact that they basically took Russia to the brink, um, and ended up losing, unfortunately, in overtime after, really unfortunate errors in the late late in the game you know so this is an opportunity for german hockey to really make another statement on a on a fairly big stage with maybe some of the best players that they've had in their system and since leon dreisaitl i wanted to you mentioned goaltending uh, a couple times here and i wanted to ask about a couple of local goalies that are, are local to us here in, C- in the seattle area uh, first is with Team USA. Dustin Wolf is in camp. We we feel like he's a lock to to make the team. Of, you know, probably Spencer Knight's backup. Uh, are we on the right track there? And then in Canada, uh, Joel Hoffer, who plays for the Portland Winterhawks and is a Blues prospect. Uh, what what are his shots of, of making the club? Yeah. Okay. So first, we'll start with Wolf. Uh, USA has only brought three goalies to camp, so they they're locks. They're all in. They're, okay. Yeah. And and I would say that he's in the in the front. He's in the driver's seat to be the backup over Isaiah Seville, who's the other goalie that uh, they were they were there. I mean, I think Spencer Knight will play probably every game. Um, you know, so I, I, I unless they unless they want to give him a break off off the Canada game uh, mm-hmm. against Germany, I'm not sure that they will or not. But yeah, so I mean, that's that's probably Dustin Wolf's best opportunity to play um, in that one, um, maybe against the Czech Republic later in the tournament. Um, but yeah, I think that that's uh, that's essentially. Um, you know, who, who you got, uh, you know, then for Canada, it's a lot tougher to say, uh, it's not a position that they're locked into by any means. Um, I, I you know, I think Olivier Rodrigue is probably for me has been like kind of a, a, the front runner to be their starter. Um, they, Canada has typically only brought two goalies as opposed to three. And I think in that, so that makes it a little bit tougher um, if I recall correctly, Hoffer was not in their summer camp. So, you know, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. He's obviously played incredible this year. So mm-hmm. I think he has as good a shot as anybody because it's pretty wide open. Um, but it's, it's hard to say until they kind of make a, make a move here. Um, I didn't, I, I have it out, loaded up on my computer right now, but I don't have their first uh, exhibition game. Uh, key to, I haven't watched it yet, so I'm not even sure who played who played in that one. But but yeah, but I think that it's it's still up in the air for for their goaltenders. How many goals is Cole Caulfield gonna score? Ah, wow, good question. Um, I'm gonna say he's gonna score seven, and that's 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 pretty high. I mean, I think Johnny Gaudreau scored seven goals in his uh, his World Junior, his one World Junior, where they won gold, and and he didn't actually start scoring them until like the medal round. I think. He's like had a hat trick, and you know he just started scoring at will after that. Um, but yeah, but I mean he so so Caulfield had 14 goals at the World Under 18 Championship, tied Alex Ovechkin for the most goals in a single tournament. Um, before that, I had seen Nikita Kucherov at that tournament score 13, and I thought I'm never going to see that again. Yeah, and <laughs> then Cole Caulfield comes along. So it's remarkable, um, like those two guys, right? Like th- think about who you're talking about there, at, like two of the biggest stars in the NHL, yep. and you have this little guy playing at Wisconsin who uh, is like kind of giving them a run for their money. That's 
it's just incredible to think about that. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, I mean, he scored 72 total goals last year for the NTDP. The previous high was 55 goals. So that was Austin Matthews <laughs> had 55 goals in his U18 season. Yeah. And Cole Caulfield had 72. Ugh. He oh, has 11 geez. in college right now. And he's second, essentially second or third in the country in scoring. So do you do you think it's going to transfer? Like when he gets to the NHL, do you think that the he's going to continue? Probably not at the same clip, right? But like, is he going to be as impactful as he seems to be now playing against you know younger kids? I think he's a thirty goal score, like an annual thirty goal score yeah. at least, with you know with a guy that could potentially have a couple forty or fifty seasons in him. The reason I say that is to like right now at Wisconsin, you know, he started off hot. He had like six goals first through his first three games, and then he's really cooled off. And it, part of it is. Wisconsin's power play has suddenly become anemic. They're having a really hard time getting him the puck. Um, they don't have, aside from Alex Turcott and Dylan Holloway, who he's kind of he's mostly played with Turcott, but you know he hasn't had enough guys to to really get him the puck. And and he had Jack Hughes last year to do that. Right. And yeah. you know we're talking huge big time playmaker um, getting you the puck. And so I think that players like him. Like Cole Caulfield is never going to be a driver on his own, um, which which I, I think is part of the reason that he slipped. Not just because you know he's smaller; it's it's that you know he's not a guy that is going to create a ton for himself. He needs he needs a distributor, and part of the reason that is is his ability to kind of float around the the offensive zone and get lost out there, and then all of a sudden pop into a scoring area and get the pocket score. Like he needs somebody that can be aware of that um at all times and so i'm intrigued by you know whether or not that's going to happen uh uh you know at the at the world juniors i don't think they have any you know elite centers um i really like turcott but i think he's he's still kind of on his development trend and, and needs needs some more time but say they put him with trevor zegris who i think they'll end up being a wing for team usa um then you've got an elite, elite playmaker that can get you the puck and, and was one of the guys on his line at the under-18 yeah. World Championship. So, yeah. So there's a lot there's a lot there that we kind of have to sort through. Um, but but I still think that there's a lot to like there. And, and I think Cole Caulfield's going to have a, a heck of a World Juniors. Yeah. So, ironically, you kind of answered my next two questions already because the next one was going to be, why do my Wisconsin Badgers still seem to stink? despite having three really good players. And then my one after that was going to be uh, about Jack Hughes because uh, it just was. And, of course, you just talked about him because you're a clairvoyant. Um, but so let's talk about Jack Hughes. So he's not off to that great of a start in the in the NHL. Are you at all surprised by that? And um, at what point do you think he turns it around? I, I'm not surprised by it. I, I've, you know, he wasn't going to be my pick for the Calder this year. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I think the reason, the reason that is, I mean, first of all, the reason is Kale McCarr, who was my preseason pick. Good one on that one. Um, but, <laughs> but the other reason is that nobody has ever done what Jack Hughes has done going from the national team development program to the NHL or the USHL to the NHL. The NTDP plays games against college teams and international teams, but you're still talking about a significant jump um, in your day-to-day -day games. And, and you're also talking about, a, you know, playing 82 games as opposed to playing, you know, like 60 games. Um, so that is part of it. Also the physical, we, we knew going into the season that 
Jack Hughes is not necessarily physically developed at this point. Right. Where, I mean, I, I just remember watching the first few games and he's just falling down all the time. Like, he's just on his butt <laughs> a lot. And, and part of it is just because the game's faster, he's moving faster. The guys are bigger. He's bouncing off of guys. They almost never got hit solidly in other games, you know, and at other levels. But I, I, I essentially figured coming into the season that this was going to be an underwhelming rookie season for him just because I, I didn't think the, the Devils would be this bad either. I mean, that's another factor. Team's terrible. I mean, yeah. and and <laughs> when you're on a bad team and you're chasing games and, and you know, there there's not a lot of time uh, for, for scoring. I mean, I, I think I'm more surprised by Kapo Kako being kind of as quiet as he's been, even though he's also on a, a team that's, you know, they're better than I thought they would be, but they're still not great. And so... You know, and he's more physically developed. He played professionally last year. I thought it'd be an easier transition for him. It's been pretty tough so far. Um, so yeah. So I mean, the top two guys. I think it's just a matter of patience. And um, you know, we we kind of get carried away sometimes with how easy it is for some of the guys that come into this league. And you know, you look at a guy like Austin Matthews, who was a late birthday. Guys like that are have that little extra time um, to to get to get going. And again, he also played professionally between the national team development program and going to Toronto. So I think Jack Hughes will get better as the season goes on. Um, I think the injury kind of like interrupted him in a stage of progression. So he missed a few games and, and now we'll just have to see him kind of ramp it back up. But I, I think overall he's, he'll be fine. I don't have any concerns about, it. I still think that he'll, you know, he'll round out into a number one center and be, you know, a, a, an incredible uh, point producer uh, but it's just not coming as easily to him. Um, and 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 the other thing that I want to point out too is the guy that he's often compared to is 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 Patrick Kane. Um, and Kane was also a late birthday who had extra development time to kind of go from the national team development program to the OHL and then go to the NHL and have a, an incredible rookie season. You know, so they're similar in size and and everything, but but I think that still Jack has a little bit more learning to do before he can really take off. Yeah. I mean, I know Jack Hughes, like he literally is still a kid and we saw him kind of up close at the the camp that was here in Everett. And, um, you know, he was doing his media scrum and so he wasn't in his equipment anymore. And you look at him you're like, wow, this is a, this is a kid, <laughs> right? Like some, some <laughs> yeah. kids that age look more like grown men, even though they're still young. Right. Jack Hughes still looks like a kid. So I feel like, yeah, you, I think you hit it on the nose there that just developmentally, I just don't think he's, uh, like an NHL size yet. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. Give it time. Uh, do you think we'll see something similar with Alexis Lafreniere or do you think he'll, he'll come out of the gate a little hotter? Um, I think he'll probably come out the gate a little hotter. I think that he's, he's more physically developed. He's, you know, he's strong. He's, he's mean. He's got some nastiness to him. He's built very similarly to Jack Eichel. Um, I don't want to compare that. I don't think they, I don't think they play all that similarly, but you know, like, you know, Jack is a really solid, he has a solid frame and he's, he's, uh, hard to knock off the puck and things. And, and Lafreniere is the same way. I think he's just physically dominant, um, against the QMJHL on top of being an incredible skill, skill player. Um, he's actually right now, he's a little banged up. He's been a banged up this year. He missed the Canada Russia series. Um, and now he's, He's, you know, he's not participating in the early portion of the camp for Canada, um, but he's apparently going to be fine. So, uh, yeah, but he's he's a really remarkable uh, player. But the other thing, too, is I, I think Quentin Byfield, you know, I was talking to a bunch of scouts at the World Junior A Challenge and, you know, there are some scouts that still are like, you know, what, I, I think I, I'm not sold yet. I, I, I could potentially, you know, between Byfield and Lafreniere. 
it could be either one of them. And then Byfield is a he's a physical specimen. I mean, mm. he's six foot four, two hundred plus pounds, uh, and skates like the wind. So, I mean, that's another another intriguing uh, intriguing thing there between the two of them. So, it's going to be a little different at the top of the draft in terms of physical development of of the guys that are potential number one picks. And Byfield should make the team as well for Team Canada, I would assume, right? I think so. I think so. You know, it's, it's, they have him playing on the wing, which is, you know, I think fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he, the way he's playing this year, I I think I'd have a real hard time leaving him home. Yeah. So last time we, we talked to you or had you on the podcast, it was right before the draft in Vancouver and we, you gave us the excellent rundown of who to look for, but I want to know whose stock outside the NHL, the 2019 draftees that are playing in the NHL of the players that are playing outside the NHL, whose stock has like risen since Vancouver and who's kind of off to a slow start in that category. And don't say Matt Boldy. Cause I'm a wild fan. And it'll hurt my feelings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely mean, Matt Boldy on the second one. That was a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> since, uh, since Vancouver looking at team Canada, I mean, Connor McMichael, um, is a, a, a Capitals first round draft pick. He's he's been spectacular this year for London. Um, you know he's producing around two two points per game. You know last year he was kind of down the lineup a little bit, and, and I think that that may have impacted his numbers. But he's an incredible skater. He you know he, he can make plays in the neutral zone. I think he's really you know really uh, an immense talent in terms of you know the physical tools that he has, and, and starting with his skating, you know, and, and his his overall speed. And, you know, he's just been dominant. And, uh, you know, the fact that his coach, Dale, Dale Hunter, is the coach of Team Canada, you know, I, I'd assume that he's going to be on that that roster um, and, and play a, a fairly significant role. It's not necessarily a guarantee because of how talented the rest of the team is, but you look at his production this year and it's just off the charts good. Um, so so that's one guy. And then, yeah, and, and as far as this, the second, you know, I mean – I guess you could say it is it is Matt Boldy, um, no. you know, but but I do want to let me give you let me give you some hope. Uh, <laughs> part of the reason that I think he's not producing at the rate that that we're used to seeing him produce at, and I did watch his last game, and I thought that he was really good in his last game, um, and I believe he had an assist in the game. So he, you know, he's playing center more now. He's a wing, and I don't think I don't think that he knows. Exactly how to. He's a great defensive mind. He's got a great work ethic. He has incredible skill for his size. I mean, like I, that, that's his ability to play in small areas to to beat guys one on one. That's really difficult to find in a player with his frame. And unfortunately for him, you know, Boston College is in a situation where they didn't have any centers. They needed a center, and so they've had to have him kind of learn that position on the fly. And he hasn't figured out how to produce as a center yet. And that's, that is the hard part. And I, you know, I talked to his coach last year, um, John Robleski, who, who, uh, you know, a lot of people said, Hey, he's so good defensively. Why don't you put him at center? And, and he said, you know, he didn't think that he would be able to get the same level of production out of him, which, which they felt was more important, especially since they had some, some centers that could play more defensively down their lineup. So I'm really, I'm really, uh, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm high. I'm still high on that Boldy. I don't, you know, we look at Oliver Wallstrom, same situation last year at the same school. He did not produce. I still would have put him on this U.S. camp roster. Uh, I understand why they didn't, but I think that they could have used somebody with his unique skill set. And I think, like Wallstrom last year, he would have come alive more at the World Juniors. They've had a track record of taking guys that have underperformed, and then they come up in big moments like Kiefer Bellows a couple of years ago. Only had, I think, two goals at, at BU, and then he comes back and 
didn't have a great World Juniors until gold medal game when he scored two goals. Um, you know, so that you know one of them was off of his pants, but hey, it counts. So uh, <laughs> he went to the net, didn't he? He did exactly. Yeah, it was a butt. I'm pretty sure it was a butt goal too. So like, that's a great. Nice. Those are those are the best kind. Yeah. But yeah, so even though Boldy's numbers aren't good, I still have immense faith in him as a prospect. And as a player that that will eventually you know help the Minnesota Wild, but I think that you know he's got to get through this year. He's got to kind of fight through the adversity. It's probably good that he's facing it now, um, and I, I think he'll be a major part of next year's U.S. team. So uh, speaking of some of the the college kids, if you will, uh, you know obviously last year Kale McCarr jumped into the Avalanche during the playoffs and immediately contributed. Are there anybody on the on the radar that in college right now that we should keep an eye on that might make the jump at the end of their college season this year? Yeah, there there are a couple. Um, the first would be Jack Dugan, who is having an incredible season for Providence. He's a fifth round draft pick, the Vegas Golden Knights, and he was one of their first. He was there in their first year. He was one of their first year draft picks, and I think he was the ninth player they selected. And they, you know, they picked three in the first round. Uh, they had some second round picks and they had multiple mid round picks and Jack Dugan looks like he's going to be a big hit. Um, and I've been watching him since several times after at the uh, USHL level. And then last year for Providence and his skill is un- incredible. Um, I think it's only gotten better as he's progressed through the ranks. And then he's also gotten stronger in the process, which has been, you know, really important uh, for him. He's, you know, good, solid frame, good vision, good shot. He, he kind of has all these tools. Well, this year that it's all come together for him. He's got 33 points in 17 games and it's a level of scoring that we haven't seen since Johnny Goudreau won the Hobie Baker a few years back. So he's, he's actually ahead of where Goudreau was at the same games played marker. Um, and Gaudreau finished the season with 80 points and it was the highest scoring season in the last, you know, seven years, I think. So, so Jack Dugan, I think is, you know, he's the front runner for the Hobie Baker right now, just based on the way that he's producing for Providence. And then also, you know, he's a guy that I think, I think there was some rumblings that he could have signed after last season, because this is actually his draft plus three year, even though he's a sophomore. Um, but there was some, some talk that he could sign after last season. Uh, he didn't, he stayed. And I think that it, it's been a huge benefit for him, similar to how staying the extra year at UMass was a huge benefit to Kale McCarr. He's just going to be more ready. So Dugan's a guy that I would watch. I also think Scott Perunovich from Minnesota Duluth, who's one of the top offensive defensemen in the country. Um, he is a driving force for that team. Uh, you know, they are so much better at one point this season, he, he actually assisted on nine consecutive goals that, that <laughs> Minnesota Duluth scored. I think it was over like a three game span. So it's, it's bananas that that's even a thing. He's undersized, but he's a good skater and he's got incredibly smart and he's a blues draft pick. So I don't know that they necessarily have the spot for him mm-hmm. in the playoffs, but he's a guy that I think, you know, so, should sign a contract, should be a guy that could help them down the line. Um, you know, he kind of, you know, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Tory Krug, uh, a little less of a bulldog than, than Tory Krug is. But still, when I saw Tory Krug in his uh, his last year at Michigan State, there was no more dominant player in college hockey that year. And I think at this point, the way that that Scott Perunovich can control a game from the back end, um, it, it's 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 pretty impressive. So I think that he's another guy to keep an eye on. Looking at, at the draft last year in Vancouver, uh, the first round specifically, a big round for the U.S. team and the WHL. They had they had a lot of guys go in the first round. Looking at 2020, which development league uh, do you think is going to have uh, that kind of first round success? I, I've heard the OHL has a pretty strong uh, field this year. 
Yeah, I think it'll be the OHL. Um, uh-huh. It drops off, though, after the top guys. Like, it drops off pretty significantly. But but you're talking about, at the top, you've got Byfield, Cole Perfetti, Jamie Drysdale, Marco Rossi. Um, all those guys could be top 10 picks, or probably mm-hmm. will be top 10 picks. So that's, you know, that's four top 10 picks right there out of one league. Yeah. Um, this will be a super down year for the U.S. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's crazy coming off the heels of last year. <laughs> That this is going to be, you know, there could be like maybe three Americans that go in the first round. It's really, it's really like the only lock for the first round for me right now, and that could change over the years, is Sanderson from from the National Team Development Program, who's who's a really good uh, good defenseman. He's Jeff Sanderson's son. He's really solid offensive defenseman, good good puck skills, and more of a two way guy. He's good defensively as well. So yeah, so it's it's kind of wild to see that, um, you know. And I think that there there are going to be several QMJHL players too. That will will we'll factor in, um, and I think you know at the WHL had a great draft last year. I think they're still going to have a pretty pretty decent one this year. It's just not going to be as many guys as high as you know Kirby Doc or Dylan mm-hmm. Cousins, but yeah, but it'll still be a really good draft for them. All right, well, that's pretty much all we have. Did we miss anything? I feel like we covered a lot here. Do, do you think we missed anything, Chris? <laughs> I think we're good. Right. I mean, I, I'll, I'll keep talking. You, I don't know. We're good, we're good. I don't know. Yeah, we love it. <laughs> Thank you for doing this, though. I uh, yeah, follow great. follow Chris on Twitter, and you know, read his stuff on ESPN. He gives some some incredible information that you just can't find anywhere else. So, uh, Chris, thank you again for coming on the pod, and and uh, we just really appreciate your time. Yeah, well, it's my pleasure. It's a lot of fun to fun, fun to do it with you guys. So thanks for asking me. All right, thank you again to Chris Peters for joining Sound of Hockey for I think that's the third time that we've yep. had him on. Uh, but and man, he watches a lot of like, he is just hockey. we don't prep him either. Like he doesn't know what we're gonna yeah, ask, and he just, he just nails it. Yeah. So. I love in there where he says, you know, if you let me talk, I'll talk. Yeah, so <laughs> definitely, definitely follow him on Twitter because he. Yeah, he's great, especially World Juniors, yep. and he doesn't. He, he's not like excessive Twitter or no, right? Twitter. He, he just no. watches yeah. everything. Like he knows so much about. Yeah, and he's a great guy. Like I've asked him questions about prospects before, and and he'll answer me right away. And he's just great. Yeah, just great. Uh, we are going to get into our segments. The first one we have a you don't see that every day. A linesman in the game between the Los Angeles Kings and the Pittsburgh Penguins got a little mixed up in overtime. What happened? Yeah, so during the uh, LA Kings Pittsburgh game, Pittsburgh had possession of the puck kind of deep in their zone, but they kind of were bringing yeah in overtime. So it was three on three, and they were bringing it into uh, the neutral zone, and then kind of bringing it back to kind of regroup how they do in three on three. And the linesman blew the whistle that they were offsides, bringing it into their own zone. <laughs> so, so bad. I would have been so mad. It was in, it, crazy, you know, because three on three overtime is all about possession, yep. and so it, then it becomes a fifty-fifty puck. Pittsburgh would go on to win, so it was all right. But uh, it was kind of a funny. Funny thing that I've never seen, yeah. so you don't see don't that. See that yeah. That's got to really suck for the ref too when he figures yeah. it out. Like, like oh, <laughs> and there's just no, there's just no hiding it, right? Nope. Like, you, you know, the coach is like, hey, what happened? And you're like, uh, I don't know, I just did forgot it. which way oh. you were going. <laughs> <laughs> now the two teams do switch from the third period to overtime, right? But there's not like a they break. don't switch. Don't they don't switch. Do they? Oh, they, they do. do. They do switch. You're so right. there's not a break there. There's not a, there's not a full Zamboni. So he probably still had that third period mentality yeah, that, maybe, that, that maybe. may have been what part of it <laughs> uh we now move on to our weekly one-timers andrei svechnikov hits us with another awesome lacrosse goal this one might have even been better than his last one because he was like facing the opposite way we've never really seen a player do it like this where he kind of scoops it up like just 
on the forehand, almost like he's shoveling it. Yep. He throws it in the top corner. And he that, didn't so. hit, the, hit the goalie's face. Right. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody yeah. got injured in the making of this film. It, it's so it's kind of remarkable that 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 had never that goal had never been scored in the NHL. And now here, this 19 year old kid has done it twice this season. It's yeah. Pretty cool. Our next weekly one timer. The KHL, the Continental Hockey League, we've talked about them before. They're putting in a hard salary cap next year. So that's the the Russian League, obviously. They haven't had this before. So I think, you know, it's always been like a little bit of a draw for players to go over there because there's no salary caps. There's an opportunity for them to make a lot of money that maybe they couldn't make here in the U.S. Uh, John, I know you are kind of keeping tabs on this. For what reason? This would appear that there's a little chink in the armor in the KHL, I think, Mm -hmm. that they have to institute this. They had a soft cap for the last couple of years, but this will, uh, there's more Russian players playing in the NHL uh, this year than there have been traditionally. Uh, So it's just an opportunity for more players to come to North America and potentially be future crap weasels. Mm -hmm. No. And I am the crap weasels. Our next weekly (laughs) one-timer. Ottawa Senators forward Anthony Duclair is having a heck of a season. We don't talk a lot about the Ottawa Senators other than their great social media presence and weird things that happen to them off the ice. (laughs) But this player, Anthony Duclair, he's having a great season. He had a hat trick this past week, uh, including an overtime winner against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, His former team. One of his his former teams. Yeah, I think he's been on every team. Well, he was on the team last year, and he was part of the Columbus trades to Ottawa. for Full circle, once again. Yep. And good for him, though. He's a player that had a lot of promise coming out of junior and People thought he was going to be really good, and uh, he just never quite put it together. And he's been, you know, there's talents there, which is, I think, why he keeps getting traded is people see the talent in him, that the, the skills are there, and yeah. he's finally putting it together. Five, five teams, yeah. and he's only 24 years old. Not a good not a good look, but he's got 19 goals this season heading, into a, heading into a contract year. So Good timing. Good timing, yeah. <laughs> Our final weekly one-timer. Whoopsh. Ilya Kovalchuk has been put on waivers. Now, this was kind of a forced deal by him is what I'm gathering, right? Because he wants to be a UFA. And now that he's cleared waivers, I understand that somehow some loophole in the contracting situation is that he is actually a UFA, so he can sign whoever he wants. Uh, he says he wants to go to a contender, right? Right. And that's what, I don't know what kind of value he has. He hasn't played very well the last couple of years. No, but, but he, he was said a big-time scorer. He said that he's willing to take a minimum contract yep. to play for a contender. I did, I Boston a, sounds interested. Yep. I saw a funny tweet that said do. that he should sign with Winnipeg because he's the franchise leader in points from the Atlanta days. Oh, <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> you can go back and add to that. <laughs> wow. He can finally retire as a thrasher. Yeah. Interesting, though. I mean, he was obviously a, a huge sought-after guy, right, when he came over from the KHL. Again, from Original, circle. yeah. We'll see what happens. It's weird. I don't really fully understand all the behind-the-scenes stuff that allows him to just get out of his contract like this just because he doesn't like playing in L.A. But. Well, no. Well, they, they sat him because they're they're healthy scratching him then basically yeah. said, we're not going to suit you the rest of the year. Mm. I think if both parties want to go different separate ways, you can be There's a way out. to do yeah. it. Huh? Well, and okay. I think he just wants to play, not yeah. so much that he wants to go a separate way. Uh, that wraps up this week's weekly one-timers. Whoops. We close the show with games on the radar. Andy, what do you got? Uh, coming up on Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, the Saturday before Christmas. Yeah. So when you're done with all your shopping, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning are at the Washington Capitals. Oh, uh, fun one. Interesting game. The Capitals are playing well, and we're still kind of waiting for Tampa Bay to get back to looking like Tampa Bay. Yep. John, your game on the radar? I've got that same day, Saturday, I've got St. Louis at San Jose. I think uh, it's a rematch of the conference final from last year, but... Uh, San Jose is looking nowhere close to the team they were. <laughs> St. Louis is. And St. Louis is. So San Jose's got to make a run here or or they're going to be uh, Man, uh They better fire spot. their coach, yeah. huh? Yeah. 
And then I have, by the way, Minnesota versus Edmonton was my game on the radar last week, and it was awesome. So six to five win for the good guys. Uh, just is, that, is that why it was awesome? Super, super fun game to watch. I think even if you're an Oilers fan, you could attest that this is a fun if game to watch. If the Wild lost six to five, would you be saying this? Yeah, I still would probably say it was a fun <laughs> game to watch. I mean, honestly. Uh, but my game on the radar for this week, also Saturday, December 21st. That's a big day, apparently, for yeah, hockey watching. shopping day. Nashville at Boston. It's the free game on NHL.TV. That's at 4 p.m. Pacific. So you should able to watch maybe Kovalchuk will be playing for Boston you never know you never know this wraps up episode 65 of Sound of Hockey thank you again to Chris Peters thank you to all who have purchased Crap Weasel shirts they are pictures flying off the shelves I'm telling you uh, so get yours while you still can. Limited supplies. Um, and then make sure to leave your review also. We had that great one from the CO Kid. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Stitcher, subscribe on Spotify, and we will talk to you all next week for episode 66, which I'm sure we will call the Josh Hosang episode. Malakalikimaka <laughs> <laughs> is a thing to say On a bright Hawaiian Christmas day That's the island greeting that we send to you From the land where palm trees sway Here we know that Christmas will be green and bright The sun to shine by day and all the stars at night Malakilikimaka is a wise way To say Merry Christmas to you Malikalikimaka is a thing to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. That's the island greeting that we send to you from the land.